What's up? How y'all doing? Let me plug my computer in here so it doesn't die on me. Here we go. All right, now we're cooking with gas. Welcome, everyone. This is the Promotional Malpractice Live Chat here on MMAfighting.com. My name is Luke Thomas, and the day is Wednesday, November 18th. Um, this is just after the uh, the uh, it's the Wednesday after Rousey versus Home, UFC 193. Man, what a week it has been, huh? Crazy, crazy. Um, I feel like we're getting to the tail end of, you know, Rousey, Holm, um, immediate impact discussion. I mean, this will go on for years, but for now, the immediate impact. But I wanted to cap things off because I think there's actually still a few things left unsaid that we should probably get to. And we're going to get to all of that, man. Wow, what a, what a, what a show today is going to be. I'm very excited about this. So thank you for joining me. If you want to ask a question, best place to do it is on MMAfighting.com, where there's a dedicated post to this window. Give us a thumbs up. Um, let everyone know you're watching right now. Share it on social media somewhere or email it to friends or whatever you have to do, but let folks know you're watching this, either recorded or live. would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, this is going to be a good one today. I got a good feeling about, about today's show. Um, so again, thanks for joining me. iTunes.com slash promotional malpractice. And you know what? Let's just get right into it. Let's just do the damn thing. Let's uh, let's get to these questions because I know you got a lot of them. Oh, and by the way, uh, today's official, unofficial uh, Coke Zero, and the message is, God, that's lame. Under the mistletoe. I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and they're already putting out Christmas Coke. God. This country is doomed. All right. Let's get to this, shall we? Man, there's already 250 questions. We just started, so wow, this is going to be crazy. Um, okay, a couple things that should be mentioned because there's some discussion around it. And I mentioned on the Monday Morning Analyst. By the way, Monday Morning Analyst is over 108,000 views last I checked on YouTube, making it um, the most watched Monday Morning Analyst by far. So if you watched it, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I mentioned on that, but I'm going to quickly mention it here. Um, big, big round of applause and thanks to people like Jack Slack, like Faraz Zahabi, like Robin Black. Uh, and others, uh, BJJ Scout, who all put out good previews or predicted things correctly or at least identified some things where, you know, Holm could take advantage of what Rousey was doing. Um, those guys that all did a great job and deserve to have their names recognized as such. So I want to get that out there first. But someone's asking a question. It says, Ronda's stand-up versus Holly's stand-up. It seems the biggest miscalculation from almost everyone looking in from the outside prior to the fight was Ronda's stand-up abilities. While Ronda has good power and is effective from the inside it was really apparent how bad and sloppy she was from distance and had no idea how to close in on her opponent this is not something i disagree with there was also something else i was watching i went back and watched um some of rousey's fights where she did have like striking exchanges that uh went her way let's say she won them or um they went 50 50 maybe she had a slight edge because she had landed a harder shot or something and what i noticed was um she likes to win on speed. She, it's one thing about closing the distance, and you're correct, you're correct when you say you know she likes to box on the inside. She likes to dominate through, same way she likes to dominate through grappling, really. She likes to get to positions quickly. She likes to act on them quickly. She likes to attack quickly. 
Think about it. She wants to close the distance. She wants to throw you immediately. And once she gets you on the ground, she's not slowly controlling you to pass guard. She's launching into an arm bar right away. Her striking has similar fundamentals where if she can get on the inside one way or the other, she likes to blast a lot of shots at once. And she'll eat a couple to do that. Um, for example, she did this quite noticeably against Dutch Kohea. So she's fast and she's explosive. And she thinks, I, I don't know if she thinks this way, but it seems like what she thinks is that if I can use that first, if I can get off first, uh, once I get off first, I can just overwhelm them um, with speed and aggression. And you no, know, I think she has good power too. You know, she did rock home once um, that this will carry the day. And I think what we saw was that she never really was able to get off first. It was home that was getting off first because Rousey didn't know how to close the distance properly or in a way effective relative to um, Holly Holm. And so because she was constantly on the defensive, she could never really get that engine revving. You know, she was able to, even, even wildly, if she was able to start blasting these quick combinations, these quick darts inside, um, she might have had more success. She probably still would have eaten some punches along the way and had her face red and maybe even her nose bloodied. Who knows? But um, one thing that Holm did was not all the things I described previously. I guess I just didn't also give her enough credit for the fact that, you know, look at who won the exchanges by being first. Almost always it was Holly Holm. Because, yes, Ronda was opening up to strike, but Holm was anticipating that, landing first and then exiting first. So she may have not been the first to, you know, on the start of the word go, throw the punch, but she was waiting for it with land cleaner because her shots were chambered. Um, she had better accuracy. She had better angling. Uh, just a lot of conditions that made that all possible. I just sort of want to point out that, like, through aggression, through speed, through volume, she likes to overwhelm things. She likes It's a very judo mentality to get right. I mean, they cross the thing. And, you know, you'll see jiu-jitsu guys tie up, and then they'll break collar grips and, you know, uh, they might pull, but if they don't pull because there's rules against it or something like that, or if it's no gi, you know, maybe they might be a little more hesitant to pull no gi. You'll see there's a lot of collar and hand fighting, and they have that in judo too. I'm sure it came up a button. Uh, they have that in judo too, but in judo, man, they get right to gripping right away. And again, whoever wins the grips first typically will win the exchange. All right, so let's move down. There's lots of different things going on here on this page. It says, I thought her, uh, Rousey's strength was, excuse me, I thought Holmes' strength was key. I certainly underestimated Holmes' strength advantage over Ronda. I thought that if Ronda got a hold of her, she would be able to impose her will on Holly, much like she did with the rest of her opponents. This and the fantastic defensive grappling technique highlighted by many, uh, since the fight was what I was not expecting. Yeah, a couple of points there. Number one, um, I did a, a radio show um, here in D.C., and they were at, you know, they were like, Holly Holm, the boxer, defeated Ronda Rousey, the MMA fighter. It really sort of needs to be said that like, boxing is not necessarily what won her the fight. Many things won her the fight. But if all she had was boxing, she would not have won that fight. Holm won the fight, it seems to me, because she technically shut down Rousey in critical positions where the game is changed either from all, all the way not on her terms to all the way on her terms. Um, 
that that to me seemed to be the difference. And there did seem to be a case that like physically when they locked up, uh, Rousey just had a little more trouble dealing with, not just because she was technically being shut down, but that there was a strength differential there that she was not accustomed to handling. Um, that seemed to me apparent as well. A lot of things too in, beyond that. But that those two I really noticed. Um, but the box, I mean, yes, Rousey was getting tuned up. Uh, no doubt about it. But what I thought was going to happen, which was the typical thing, Rousey might eat a couple of shots. That to me seems very non-confrontational as an idea, um, but would eventually get this. And when she got that, the show would be over. She was technically shut down there, which then made the boxing that much more powerful, which made it that much more impactful, which made it that much more of a difference maker in the end. But in and of itself was not the reason why she won. And just to sort of be clarified here for those who still have some lingering doubts about that. Um, yeah, let's keep going. There's a thousand of these. Luke, isn't it kind of funny that Cyborg calls everyone a bully as fast as someone makes a joke about her steroid abuse when she probably is the biggest bully in women's history? I mean, what she did through the years before she got caught is some serious S. Well, she only got, I mean, we don't really, we don't really know the extent of her steroid use, but okay, fair enough. Uh, and now she calls everyone a bully that makes fun of her because of that. What's the difference between a female injecting male hormones to her body to fight women with no male hormones and a male injecting more male hormones to fight another male? There are so many who seem to think it's the same thing. Well, in either case, it's a gigantic advantage. Um, the depth of difference, I guess we can all sort of find issues with. Um, you know, Cyborg has... Here's the thing with Cyborg. She has done enough to bring um, shame and disrepute upon herself but there is also a very easy argument to make that she is also something of a scapegoat uh, and a, um, um, how do you want to put this? She is the forced, not, not by choice, the forced poster child for PED use on the women's side. In other words, there were these driving forces in the industry, quite frankly, UFC brass to an extent, um, you know, fan base uh, who are, you know, listening to other fighters or have their own ideas. Um, they have rallied around the idea that she is the sort of central evil of steroid abuse when certainly she has a record about it I and mean, there's no denying it, but um, that she is some sort of like major outlier in that regard. The record is kind of weak on, to be perfectly honest, but she has become, she has become this walking manifestation of all things steroid abuse. And so that label is what she's largely dealing with, not some sort of prolonged record a la Vitor Belfort of getting caught, you know, three times plus having TRT use and a thousand other things. You know, it's not it's not on the same level as that. At least not documented in the same way. It might be behind the scenes. I don't know, but um, and you know, certainly there are some you know uh, anecdotal bit, bits of evidence that could probably tell you that there's been some um, PED abuse to some extent. Maybe in my opinion, I don't know, but. Um, but the point being is the real crux of the issue is that she has been she has been deemed she has the scarlet letter has been put on her. Uh, whether she deserves that scarlet letter as much as anyone else who has had steroid issues in the past is up for debate. But she has become the um, you know the boogeyman, the boogie woman when it comes to steroid use among athletes. And I'm not sure to the extent she receives all that hate is fair, but. You know what? She used them, and this is what happens. You know, you you lend yourself to being um, criticized by larger forces than yourself when those larger forces deem it convenient. 
All right, biggest upset in UFC history. Luke, which one takes the cake? Rousey versus Holm or GSP versus Sarah? Some say neither Dillashaw versus Morale. Um, this thing just keeps popping open. Whatever, I'm going to leave it. Um, for me, it's still a little bit GSP Sarah, but I don't know. There's a different arguments you could make for it. If you look at some of the odds, depending on which odds you're looking at, I know Fightnomics had one where I put, I think, Rousey and Zingano, or sorry, Rousey and Holm at like three or four. There's one where you can look at it. You can look at the odds in some of the Vegas sports books, which would put, um, you know, Rousey Holm as number one. Um, you know, to me, there's some different things going on there. Like with Sarah, he was cut from the organization and then brought back via reality show, which was sort of like gimmicky to begin with. Um, that was kind of weird. Um, you know, making GSP tap to strikes is pretty is pretty bad too. Um, but of course, he lost handily in the rematch. I'm not so sure that Holm would lose in the rematch. That changes the things as well. There's a lot of different ways to cut it. If you're looking at what does this all mean for um, relative to betting odds? If, if betting odds is your only benchmark for determining, um, you know, the, the how, how monumental an upset is, it's a fairly narrow definition of things. But it's the most important one, I think. It's the most critical piece, even though it, it's it's a it's a it's a limited one. But let me just say something about this because I know there's some other questions about it. Um, and of course, there's Couture versus Sylvia, which is a big one. I mean, when you think about the circumstances of his. You know, being knocked out of light heavyweight, retiring, coming back immediately for the heavyweight title, you know, and then just dominating him for five rounds against him, Sylvia. That's crazy, too, right? I mean, that's really sort of thorough thing here. But, like, this to me speaks to part of the issue about, I mean, there's way more than this. But people were asking, let me see if it's next, if I can just move into it. No, I can't. Oh, yeah, you know what? Let me move into it. This is the question. It's related to these two questions. The whole world laughed. Why? Why do you think there was a huge outpouring of rejoicing and sometimes even mocking amusement when Ronda was beaten by Holly Holm? Creative gifs, jokes, memes, pictures circulated widely in great numbers, showing Ronda Rousey getting hammered by Holly with gleeful comments accompanying often. I can't recall such a turnaround in public feelings over an MMA fighter. So why the instant public relations reversal? In your opinion, where did Ronda go wrong, if at all? So so partly it's to blame um, through Ronda's own actions. Partly it's just the nature of um, you know, um, what do you want to say? The cruelty of the online hordes. Um, and there's a lot more, but let me, let me, let's, let's unpack that for a second. Cause I actually think there's a lot going on there. So first you could say Rousey rubs some people the wrong way, right? She's a very brash attitude, um, overly emotional at times, um, you know, per- perceived to be uh, a bad sportsman, bad sportswoman, in various circumstances related to Misha Tate and others as well. Um, she had taunted previous opponents. Maybe you thought those were deserved, but she had done it. Uh, again, I'm not saying these are reasons where you're like you have license to dislike her. I'm just trying to account for the various levels. So one is like the brash attitude um, and the very unsportsmanlike behavior. Whatever you whatever you make of that, I'm just saying that's there. Uh, so those are a couple things. I think a third thing you can look at, of course, is the nature of how big the upset is. That is a big contributor. Um, fourth, and this is where the media has to take some responsibility, and then when I, when, I, when I say that, I segment it out. Because the hagiography of Rousey, and I wrote this in a tweet before the fight, the hagiography of, the, of Rousey was done in part by MMA media, there's no doubt. But the majority of the hagiography was done by the mainstream sports media, I, I kind of feel like. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe the numbers would show differently, but that's kind of how I feel. These these like, these like 
the sweeping rhetoric about Rousey as this, you know, uh, demigod who who graced us with her presence. I mean, she was always a tremendous, you know, the most popular MMA fighter ever. And what she's done for women's MMA, something I'm going to get to in a minute that's been totally lost on this discussion. Um, you know, uh, they, they couldn't just stop at the fact that she was a huge boon for the sport. <clears throat> One of the arguments I always made prior to this fight and, and every other fight about women's MMA and about Rousey generally is, if you look at the men's side, which has much more accomplished judoka, much more accomplished amateur athletes on the wrestling side, many more athletes generally from many more disciplines, world-class athletes by any measurement who are competing much more often and for longer, we get a picture of what dominance looks like. And on the other side, you just didn't see anything like that. And the response was, well, that's because she's so much greater than everyone else. Well, yes, she is. She is so much greater than everyone else. She clearly is tactically uh, and and skill-wise and athletically way ahead of the vast majority of her peers. It is also true that what we knew about MMA to be true is still true. You can't really win with a couple of disciplines for very long. Someone's going to chew you up. And I didn't think it was Holly Holm, and that's where I was, and many of us were totally wrong. But that rule still stands. The kind of dominance you see on the men's side, and you see it with George St. Pierre, you know, with, with Anderson Silva, that's possible. But those guys still lost. It's just not, <coughs> it's just not possible to not, to not lose in MMA if, you, if you're fighting consistently. It's just not possible. It's just not, it's just not Jordan Burroughs has losses, and look at how often he competes. In real sports, we are fighting the best all the time, and you're fighting regularly anyway. It's very, very difficult to go undefeated. You know, that, to me, Floyd's record is very much a manufactured thing. Now, this is a bit of a side issue, but they had held her up to be this. This what we everything we know about MMA, all this evidence on the men's side, it's just not real because she is like so you know light years ahead of everyone else, and in some ways she still is right in, in, in judo and, and in other other departments of the game. But um, that was one argument that always kind of bothered me. It was like, well, if you don't see the same kind of dominance on both sides. It's not because there's people over here who are dramatically, you know, radically changing our notions about what the game means. I mean, there's something wrong with this side of the game a little bit. Now, I'm not here to beat up on women's MMA because I actually think there's a really great silver lining to this whole thing. But so that's a component. And here's another component. The way in which she was knocked out was bad. Not just because it was humiliating in and of itself. You know, some of the faces she was making, you know, they're not as bad as the Rashad face after getting knocked out by Leota Machida, but they're not too far from it. So you've got all of these components of you talk to big game, I could beat all the girls one hand behind my back, those brash statements. You got you got getting knocked out badly. You got getting knocked out badly and like almost disgracefully. You have the, the poor sportsmanship. You have the huge upset. You also have the Holly Holm factor being like this total opposite of Ronda Rousey. This, you know, again, the preacher's daughter, and she couldn't be more down to earth. And that there's this real contrast with Rousey, a very white hat, black hat kind of scenario. All those things are combining together to be this perfect storm. You know, so you have this mainstream hagiography, you have her poor sportsmanship, you have the, the ridiculous statements she made, you had um, uh, the juxtaposition with, with Holm, you had the bad nature of the knockout, a head kick KO, then you have the visual evidence of it, and you have Edmund Tarverdian giving her, you know, recordly, I mean, I mean, uh, comically bad corner advice. Um, 
I've, I, I am much more comfortable breaking down tape after the fact than I am at all telling someone what they should do. I don't think, I don't think I'm prepared in any kind of position to tell an elite fighter what their game plan should be. It's a little bit easier to break down things and say this went wrong, this went right, and I'm a little more comfortable there. But I feel pretty comfortable in saying that the advice he gave her was, I mean, it was just a comedy of errors. All the things I'm articulating all came together at once. And so you see this schadenfreude. You see this, the knives are out. And there, I think clearly there was also, look, in addition to everything I've already mentioned, there seemed to be a lot of pent-up hostility towards her. I think the hardcore MMA fan base was tired of hearing about her, understandably so to an extent anyway. Um, you know, her, her old manager came out with this thing saying she's not a good person. Trump was waiting for her. I mean, Donald Trump was waiting for her to fall so he could send out uh, an a-hole tweet. You know, the, the world was kind of pissed off at her a little bit. Um, and the fact that she lost so badly, so badly, they feel like gave them license to draw their knives and have their own turn getting a stab in there. If she had just lost barely or controversially, maybe they wouldn't have. But she got handled and put away. And so that also, I mean, like, you can, there's so many layers to why there's blowback. So people being like, you should think about what she's done for this. And when you think about what she's done for that, <coughs> pardon me, I agree. I think they're all correct. The problem is you are trying to fight back a tidal wave. You're trying to fight back so many, so many concurrent problems that all converged in a single head kick and two hammer fists. Um, from everything Rousey did to everything the fans felt about her to everything the MMA media did to everything the general sports media or general media did to everything Holly Holm didn't do to add to the, to the nature of the knockout itself, to the visuals of the knockout, to her corner, giving her bad advice to her corner, bragging she could knock out kickboxers and boxers um, and to have MMA experts <coughs> or at least you know, MMA insiders, you know, somehow parroting some of this. And again, to, to what extent we're all guilty of it, we have to own up to it. It's a lot, man. That came crashing down at once. And when that comes crashing down, there's just no stopping it. There's just no stopping it. So to me, it's like, and look, <laughs> I feel truly bad for her. When I saw that video of her coming back from LAX, I really had genuine, genuine, and I mean this, pardon me, <coughs> pardon me. I had genuine, heartfelt sorrow for her as a human being. Here as a human being who's literally been disfigured in front of the entire world after promising much the opposite was going to happen, after probably believing something like what had happened to her could never happen to her, certainly not at the hands of Holly Holm. Um, and... And you have to find a way to face the public after being humiliated in any number of different ways. Um, to me, what that signaled was this was the first time that she had ever dealt with. This was the first time she had ever had to pay the tax of celebrity. Because previously, she was enjoying the dividends of celebrity. Here come the Carl's Jr.'s commercials. Here comes the ESPY awards. Here comes people asking you what your opinion on lube is, who you endorsing for, for president. We just want every inch and ounce of what you can give us, Rhonda. Here's the cover of ESPN Magazine. Here are all the accolades about your ability. Here are MMA insiders tripping over themselves. Damn. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> tripping over themselves to uh, 
say nice things about you. And then all of that is shattered brutally over the course of roughly seven minutes um, and torn to pieces. And then you have to face the world and the level of celebrity she's attracted on the positive end. I just don't think she was aware of how bad that, that when you get to a certain level, the positivity that comes with that, there's a negativity and there's a comes with that and it's commensurate powers. And so I just don't, I don't think she has emotionally, uh, expected it to feel like this. I don't, <clears throat> I don't, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but this is my guess from the outside looking in. This is just an extraordinarily painful lesson for her. It seems when you can't even show your face, um, that's the thing that says a lot about how you feel about everything. You know, a lot of champs get disfigured and then they come back, put sunglasses on, and, you know, Hey, I'll get them next time. And I don't begrudge Rousey for feeling the way she feels. I don't, again, I don't think she really anticipated something like this could happen. And this is a growing experience for her, but, but the level of celebrity on the positive end she had attracted, <clears throat> eventually you got to pay a tax for that. This is the tax man coming to collect his and boy, is that bill big. I don't know what's wrong with my, <coughs> well, I keep coughing. I apologize. All right, let's keep moving on here. The question, uh, Yenjechek Letourneau, not a lot of talk about that. <clears throat> um, okay. I, uh, okay. Uh, I was somewhat sad there was no breakdown of Yenjechek Letourneau as I thought it was a really interesting match, and I would like to have heard your thoughts, especially on how Yenjechek avoided the caught leg takedowns after the first one, as well as the clinch works uh, in the first and second. So I have not gone back and I haven't watched the fight, but let me give you a quick overview on what I thought that fight was. Now that I've also thought about that a little bit, although I need to go watch it again. My sense about that fight is um, Letourneau, excuse me, Yanjacek fought someone where it's hard to look good against. Letourneau is, I mean, she lost against, um, what's her face, uh, Roxanne Modafferi to get on the reality show, which is kind of weird that she's made this turnaround. But okay, um, you know, and also I think 115 works for her really well, but uh so there's that, you know, um, I think we had kind of had a bad interpretation of her, but truth is she fought really well, but, um, she was slowly outclassed. She had a decent first round, but then kind of faded thereafter. Like the round two was not all that close. Three, not at all. Four, not at all. And five, not at all. Um, one was pretty close, com- very competitive, you know, uh, especially with the takedown. That was kind of interesting. Um, so to me, what you saw was a strong performance from Yuana and Jacek because Letourneau fought pretty game, but it was just hard for Letourneau to, uh, it was hard for Yuana Jacek to look good against her. There are some people that, like Letourneau, I think this is my better sense about things. I don't know if she's ever going to beat the best. I don't know if she can beat Yuana Jacek in a rematch or Gedalia in, re- in, in a fight or whatever, but I do get the sense that even if she loses, it's going to be hard for those who win to really come out looking like, you know, a knight in shining armor. They're gonna they're gonna look not pedestrian, but <clears throat> not the amazing uh, fighters that we know them. And I also want to make, make a point if I can step out a little bit. <clears throat> God damn! About UFC one ninety three. Generally, this is what I love about MMA, and um, I mean this is true in sports generally, but I feel it's really true in MMA or maybe combat sports or something like that. Jesus. <coughs> <laughs> I do not know what's wrong with me. 
almost coughed out my eyeballs. I always feel like we go into an event like UFC 193 and we have this understanding of the world. We think we do. We think we know the world of MMA works this way, that these relationships pair up in this manner, that there's this order of power in the universe, right? And what I love about UFC 193 is that all our known laws of the universe get turned upside down at once. I really, really like that. I really like that. It's almost like a joy in being wrong because this new way of thinking about the world changes everything. It totally changes everything. There's so many different nuances when you begin to think about Rousey losing in the way she did or even Ian Jacek winning in the way she did or whatever the case may be. There's not a whole lot of revelatory information in Rochalt versus Strew, but who cares? In, in the co-main event, and especially in that main event, it upended your sense about the world. I think even if you thought um, Holm was going to win, I didn't see anyone really, I mean, besides Rashad Evans, you know, and he was sort of like ham-fisted about it, thinking that, that, that Holm was going to go in there and do what she did to the extent that she did it. Stick and move, maybe. But... Uh, you know, head kick KO and shutting down the arm bar and taking down Rousey herself. I mean, these are things I just, I, I could not have imagined. And and this speaks to our own ability to delude ourselves. But I guess I just want to point out, I love, I love how fights are evidence in some, sometimes against perception. I love having perception corrected or confirmed um, if there's doubt um, through fights. We have all these theories, we have all these ideas, and we try to cobble together a coherent narrative that makes the whole universe work, and then you go into UFC 193, and for most of us, that was totally upended, or at least upended in major ways, even just in part. Even just parts of what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. The extent to those can just, it turns the universe on its head and makes you rethink everything, and I really, really, really like that. That, to me, like, I... You, you know, look, you can't have the biggest upset in UFC history arguably every time. You can, you know, it's going to be another, how many, ever many years, seven, eight years before we see anything like this again, probably. Um, because there were so many, as I mentioned before, so many factors that you see from the schadenfreude that comes from, um, that comes from all the factors that made this fight what it was and made the outcome what it was. But um, I love the discovery of it all. I, I just think it's so fun. It's so interesting. It's so it's so impactful all at once. It just hits you over the head like a sledgehammer, man. Let me say something too, and I'll get to some of these questions because I just think it's important. I want to get it out. There was a, I was thinking about this like there are so many awesome things that come out of this fight that we haven't even talked about yet. Number one, and this to me might be my favorite thing. There are so many people in the sport who look at stick and move. Punch, get out of the way. Punch, punch, get out of the way. Leg kick and get out of the way. They look at that like a slow form of retreat. They look at it like everything but a conditional surrender. They look at it like weakness. And every boxing coach in the world will tell you, you need to learn how to stick and move before you learn all the fancy stuff. Learn how to hit, learn how to evade, learn footwork, learn timing, and get out of the way. Get your Make your point across and get out of the way. Okay, this is why. This fight is every boxing coach's, like, I can see them saying, this is why. 
Stick and move is not slow retreat. Stick and move is not doing enough just to stick around, just to hang out until the bell rings and the bell can save you. Stick and move, the way in which Holly Holm used it, is ferocious. I love that. I love that. I love that she came out here and she goes, I'm going to use a style that you think is boring, that you think lacks in offensive engagement, and I'm going to blow her brains out doing it. That is amazing. And you just don't see enough of that these days. You really don't. That's the first one. The second point I think really needs to be made here is that, you know, Yin Jacek had a tough fight. Again, she, she fought well. I don't really have a lot of criticisms about Yin Jacek in that way. Um, but I want to make a point. Like, there was a lot about Rousey's last fight where she punched Kohea and Kohea went down and, you know, the punching power and all this. And I do think Rousey does have punching power. That seemed to me something you don't think you could take away. How often she can land, I don't know. Um, but I like the fact that Holm went in there and showed you a different version of what ferocity in the women's game looks like. I mean, arm bars are cool and they're brutal in their own way. It's nice to see there's a woman out there who can go out there, and we we were hoping for her from Yin Jacek, and she couldn't because you know she had a tough fight. It's nice to it's nice to show the world that on the women's side of mixed martial arts, yo, they're cutting off heads on this side of the, of the fence, man. They will take your head off, not just low level donks. I'm talking you see the train again, although I closed the door this time. They'll take your head off, and they'll do it at the very very highest level. I enjoyed seeing that. I really enjoyed seeing that. Not, not, not that I was reveling in someone's misfortune in that way, but I mean that, that, that the world got to see. It's not just the occasional big punch and then take down the arm bar from Ronda Rousey. No, there's lots of women out here, and one of them who can do it seemingly better than no one, anyone else, she can use a stick-and-move game, and when she does it, whoa, it is lights out. Lights out. Literally lights out. And then the last thing I think I should say is, and this is where... This is where thinking Rousey really needs to be made. This is the only thing in this whole mess that I can say I feel like, you know, I don't deserve credit, but I'm going to bring it up. Because it's not a, you know, a major idea, but it's one that needs to be acknowledged. We said when Rousey left the game, she would change it. Because she may recruit other high-level athletes like herself to come over. I think that's still, you know, work in progress, but I think it's going to happen. But in the short term and, to, and even the long term, she's going to raise the level of technique on the women's side of the game. Okay, we haven't seen it widely disseminated yet, but we've already seen it. Holly Holm perfected a game plan, at least on that night, shutting down the clinch, using some of her existing boxing skills, using some of her existing kickboxing skills to an extent, but also inside with the right arm. The right arm that she had either as a lever out or pinned to the ribs, depending on how she needed to use it, um, finding opportunities for takedowns when she had to get it, disengagement on the ground, and just having her whereabouts with her. But but really, technically shutting down the judo of, Ro- of Rossi. Never letting Rossi get the left hand over the head, or at least when she did, you know, you know, trying to get out, trying to circle out all the time, putting one hand up, cross-facing, two hands up. Again, I went over all this on the, MMA, on the Monday Morning Analyst. Um, she has Rousey has already started to raise the level of technical proficiency in the UFC. Because if it wasn't for Rousey, would Holly Holm have really buckled down and developed these skills? And now that Holm has done it, 
Once someone does it, you've seen it before. Iowa Anderson's front kick to the face. Now everyone's front kicking someone to the face. Once someone breaks it down and makes it look not easy but doable, the whole technique becomes democratized. You are going to see, I don't know if you know, trouble for Rousey ahead, but you are going to see this kind of thing, and I think even on the men's side, kind of brought over a little bit. She, so, so we need to thank Rousey because, yes, she lost, but the things we had hoped she would do in terms of raising the game on the women's side, you're already seeing that tree start to bear fruit. Wow. That is remarkable. All right, let's keep going. True or false? Well, these are just this is just a hater thing on Rousey. I'm not going to read this. Uh, here we go. Edmund's awful coaching advice. Let's set the stage. It's a championship fight featuring the most popular fighter in MMA today in front of over 50,000 people with incredible pay-per-view buys. The champion gets destroyed in the first round, and her coach tells her she is doing a good job and offers zero technical advice. It's not quite true he offered zero, but he offered very little. How is it possible there is such a Bush League corner advice at the highest levels of the game? So um, I'm going to bring up a situation that you guys may not remember. The late Sean Tompkins once, um, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I forget if it was Sam Stout or somebody else, or maybe it was Mark Hominick, but it was a Team Tompkins guy in the middle of a round. Their guy had just lost. And Sean Tompkins basically gave him pretty positive advice with a couple of technical things he could do differently. I think he wound up still losing the fight. But in any event, it was weird to hear um, because, and this was a UFC fight, because he said, you know, basically he gave a lot of praise after a round his guy just got creamed. And Joe Rogan, I think, on the broadcast was like, that's not, I mean, why is he telling him that? And I remember this, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Sean Tompkins went on a radio show later that week, and I think he called Joe Rogan a douchebag. Now, they eventually worked it all out before um, Tompkins uh, passed away, and I don't think Rogan's a douchebag for doing it, but the point later later on became Sean Tompkins would say, look, I gave my guy some corner advice, but I'm not going to go in there and give him bad advice and make him panic. I know my guys. Some guys respond to panic by, you know, seizing the moment, realize they can't let this get any worse. Some guys don't. Some guys respond to panic by panicking even more. And I don't want to do that. And as a coach, you have to know what kind of corner advice you want to give your fighter. Okay, so I am sympathetic to that a little bit. That said, he did give some advice about uh, what Holm was trying to do and ways Rousey could work around it. Not much. So the first is, if he was going to praise her, he had to marry that with 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 some key pieces of technical advice, and I don't think he did enough of that. The second part I would say is, it looked to me in that first round like the beginning of the end. After the first, with one minute left in that first round, that was when you saw Rousey really wobbly, partly because she was hurt, but that was also, and I mentioned this in the Monday Morning Analyst too, that was also when she began to chase. It was one thing if she would just, if, if, Holmes Holmes would just circle, and instead of cutting her off, she would follow. That's one problem. The other problem she would find is that she would do that, and then she would wait, wait, get lit up. Holmes would cut the corner. What I'm talking about is when Holmes would cut the corner, you would see Rousey desperately off balance, lunging for a body shot or trying to trying to punch across her body to an evading Holmes and not even coming close. 
that first, that, that, excuse me, that last minute of the first round, that's where you begin to see that. And so if I'm a coach and I'm seeing that, and if you're a coach, you should know your fighter. You should know when your fighter's not sticking to what you know they should do or what they can do or what you even told them to do. And there's no way he told her to, even for, even for, for all the bad things she may have done, there's no way he told her to do that. And so if you see that and you don't have a little bit of sense of urgency in you, it's just not forgivable. I am sympathetic to the idea that you don't want to go in there and panic someone if they don't respond to that in the middle of rounds. I am not sympathetic to you doing that in such a way that it, you don't also give the requisite tactical advice to make them absorb it. Your person was in trouble. That should have been in some way communicated either with enough technical advice or maybe softening some of the praise, being like, okay, we're doing okay, but this is not enough. Let's step it up. I know you can. Let's do it. Everything we talked about, blah, 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 and then the pieces of technical advice that you wanted to hand out. That is my issue with him. People are being like, well, he praised Ronda after she lost. Again, he went a little bit over overboard with that, but praising a fighter who lost a round in and of itself, got ghosts in here, y'all, is not, is not, a, is not unusual. All right, let's keep going here. Um, the once and future or never again. There are two obvious but not necessarily easy questions I'm wondering about in the wake of the Rousey loss regarding her future and the future of the division. Number one, will Rousey ever again hold UFC gold, not necessarily beating home to get it? I would not rule that out. You know, I thought about this too. The second time around, everyone was saying, everyone's... And this again, this is this is sort of what I was thinking about. Let me make a couple of statements about this. Will Rousey hold UFC gold again? I don't think she should rematch home right away. But if she has one fight in between and then rematches home, so let's say a year and a half from now, or a year from now, not the worst. Not the worst idea. Think of it this way. On the feet, there is just there is an insurmountable difference. Virtually insurmountable. Now, Holm is older at 34, so we can never test this theory. But but feels to me like Rousey could train striking for the next three or four years and still not be at the level of Holm. And why could she be? Holm's one of the most successful boxers, and she has a kickboxing you know career as well. You know why why would why would she be? So there's that. Um, but if nothing changed with Rousey. Nothing. Like took the exact ability she had now. You slightly tweak the game plan. So there's different things you do to set it up. You take her existing abilities. But... And let me ask you a question. How many times would it take for Rousey to get home to the floor to get home to the floor before she submitted her? Because really we only saw that once. She went to the floor a second time, but Rousey only had half butterfly, half full guard. This is not a very offensive position. And it looked to me like she was kind of hurt. She never reached for the ankles of, of home to go for any kind of broom sweep or anything else. I thought that was very odd. Or maybe she just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what she was thinking in that moment. So, for, for, like, Rousey's good when she pulls guard or she jumps armbar into guard. And then she can adjust her legs from there. But I don't know if just starting from full guard, she's got a ton of attacks in the MMA context. Maybe she does. I don't know. Um, but if you had to ask, like, what if she had gotten four takedowns that round? Would she have gotten 
Would she have gotten the sub? Maybe. Maybe. It wasn't like she was that. Like that wasn't like that armbar temp was that bad. I mean, you know, Holm had to fight out of it a little bit. Um, maybe not. Look, maybe Holm, maybe get Holm gets taken to the ground ten times and doesn't get sub ten or doesn't get subbed at all. You know. But I'm just thinking, if there was a way for uh, Rousey to find a way inside, which is really the key ingredient here to everything, and she was able to get a few more takedowns, would that exponentially increase her chances of getting a submission? I feel like there's there's an argument you can make there. Now. This leads to the other part, and it leads to the strategy question as well about the entries. I, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep repeating this because there are so many confused people out there. This idea that Ronda didn't follow the right game plan, that there was another game plan at that moment in time she could have followed, is your own fantasy. It doesn't exist. It doesn't. It's like telling someone, um, "Okay, Kirk Cousins." We're going to go play with the Washington Redskins. We're going to go play the New England Patriots. What we're going to do is we're going to we're not going to throw because they're just going to pick you off all the time. What we're going to do is we're going to run the ball. So the key here is don't don't throw the ball. So 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 they go out there and they throw the ball, and of course he gets picked off a bunch of times. Let's say that's what happens. So they come out in the second half. What does Kirk Cousins do? Okay, I'm going to follow the game plan. I'm going to hand the ball off to Alfred Morris or to Matt Jones. And what happens? They get stuffed in the line of scrimmage every time. This idea that because you go tell someone, hey, your setups aren't correct, that they have the ability in real time to adjust and then make those changes in this particular case is just not true. She took the game plan that gave her the best chance of winning given her existing ability. You, you can just say, oh, yeah, go do a double leg. She doesn't have a good one. <laughs> just go do a single leg. Oh, she doesn't have – just jab your way in. Jab, you know, double up on your jab on your way in. She's not good at it. What are you expecting her to do? She had the game plan that gave her the best chance of winning. Not necessarily relative to Holmes' strengths and weaknesses – just relative to what can Rousey do well. Let's just take that and paste it on top of this situation. She does not have enough ability in the stand-up department to make the kind of adjustments that people were saying she could make. This idea that there was this game plan she could have just like switched over to and executed flawlessly is complete and total fantasy. She did the best of what she knows how to do in those circumstances. Now, with the benefit of experience, the second time out, I expect some things to be adjusted, especially with time in the training mat. You might see a better version of that. And can she make up the difference? We'll debate it when it happens. I just want to make that clear. She did not have the ability in real time to adjust. There was no place to adjust to. That's the difference in ability we're talking about. Home could make adjustments. Floyd Mayweather is the king of making real-time adjustments. Oh, you do this well? You're, you're good at, you know, boxing me in against the ropes? I'm just going to take that away from you. Oh, you're good at, you know, dropping the left, fainting, pretending you're going to do a body shot, they're coming over the top with the right? I'm going to take that away from you. Like, he just takes it all away from you. Rousey didn't have the ability to take that away from her. Just want to make that clear. Um, what she wanted to do was force judo onto her. And she had a hard time doing it. 
So can she wear UFC gold again? You have to ask yourself is can she make the requisite adjustments to get a hold of Holly Holm enough that A, she can hurt Holly Holm, or B, take her down enough times to increase her chances of getting a submission. That's what you have to ask because she got, Rousey did, she got overwhelmed this time, and I don't know if that armbar attempt was the best one she ever had. Number two, Rousey was considered to be in a different league than her contemporaries and was seemingly unbeatable. Does home now occupy that same or higher stratum where we can now expect a long reign? I don't want to put anyone in the category that Rousey was previously held in, but I want to give all the respect in the world to Holly Holm to say, I'll believe someone could beat her when I see it. What both Cormier and Florian say about Holm versus Rousey rematch, Kenny says it'd be a very bad mistake to give an immediate rematch. Uh, I don't think she's ready. Cormier saying she needs a year or so. I would actually not fight her back again if I was Team Rousey. Couldn't agree more. Folks, I'm going to keep telling you this, and you, 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 you just need to believe me. Or just take the Pepsi challenge. I don't know where you live as you watch this right now, but go to your local MMA or BJJ or kickboxing or boxing gym, especially if you've never trained before, especially if you've never trained before, and go train for a year. You will discover two things. Number one, you will discover you have learned a lot. Number two, you will discover that you still are terrible at fighting. And number three, you will realize I have no, I I didn't realize I had no idea what I was talking about. There is a depth to technique on the judo side that Rousey has and on the boxing side that Holm has that you couldn't make up if you started at 22 and you just went for the rest of your life. There's There's so many layers to skill development. And some people pick them up quickly, and some don't. And Rousey looked good on the pads. If you watch her on the pads, these explosive combinations side to side. That's how she likes to just just charge into things, you know. Just overwhelm you with volume and speed and power. That's not going to work if someone like Holmes is just not there to to eat it. Uh, Tate's contract negotiations. Would you agree that Holmes' victory at UFC 193 was pretty much a jackpot for Misha Tate? I know it's a jackpot for, but boy, it changes some things, doesn't it? Hurts Cyborg. Big time, but I don't think it makes Cyborg in any way irrelevant. Um, there's still there's still some opportunity there. This is why you got to make the big fights when you can make the big fights, <laughs> because along comes Holly Holmes and just takes her needle and pops your balloon just like that. And I, you know, I understand they couldn't get it done. I get it, you know, whatever. But you 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 all keep worrying about these weight issues that need to get resolved. When the longer you worry about that, well, look what happens. Reality just steamrolls all your plans in mma if you're gonna make a super fight effing make it pay everyone what you have to pay them and get it over with because if you don't it goes away and all those worst case scenarios about what's going to happen to ronda if she gets ktfo'd by cyborg well now you're living in it except you don't have the benefit of having cyborg there to have raised the stakes on the on the bout to begin with, although it was hardly any kind of commercial failure. It was a UFC one ninety three was a giant commercial success, and UFC deserves all the credit in the world for that. But you sort of think like, what would you rather have? The big one being home versus Rousey before the fight, not knowing what was going to happen, or Cyborg versus Rousey? Pretty easy call. Uh, okay, Ronda better hope Tate can do her a favor. Do you think the best chance Ronda has at being champ again is if Tate can beat Holly 
and she can possibly get the title in a third fight against Tate because I think Hollywood destroy Ronda again. Bad matchup. Well, let's say outright it's a bad matchup for Ronda Rousey. I, but I'm I'm just not. I'm just not going to count Ronda Rousey out if she takes time and a tune-up fight. If she takes time and a tune-up fight, she does. She's never going to outstrike Holly Holm. She doesn't need to outstrike Holly Holm. She just needs to be able to strike in enough to get this. And then I think we can all agree, at a minimum, she's got a fighting chance. Because no matter how hard Holm trains there, she's never going to be as good as Rousey. And no matter how hard Rousey trains, she's never going to be as good as Holly Holm. It's a very interesting mix here. You know, Holm got good enough in defensive work on in grappling to negate the judo. But you can make the adjustments around that about your armbar entries and, and ways to set it up that they don't see common different attacks you can use. Maybe instead of trying to go for a ch- uh, armbar next time where she feels very comfortable, maybe she could go for a choke or just take the back generally and hold it in a round. Some, something like that, you know. Um, because you know they worked on armbar defense from that from that Jujikatami role. You know they did. You know they did uh, at that Jackson's camp. But in terms of Tate... Um, I don't know if Tate can beat Holly. This, I mean, this version of Holly, you know, you saw Michael Mike Winklejohn admit that the version of Holm that we saw in the UFC was a dialed back version intentionally, that they wanted her to go there and get rounds. And that this version you saw was a little bit more unleashed, a little bit more willing to, um, you know, make the requisite to, to do the work to establish the conditions to land harder shots, basically. And, you know, um, uh, all the things that come with it. But I don't know if I like Tate. I mean, part of Tate's problem is she's aggressive too, you know. She's a little bit more patient. Um, but, you know, forced to kickbox at range, I'm not sure how much I like her chances. Um, I do think that if you can back up Holly Holm a little bit, um, it is possible on occasion to both get her against the fence and to land a big shot. Rousey was able to do both. Um, Tate's tough. She can do that. She's willing to take a beating to go through that. You never know what could happen after that. You know, and Tate, by the way, unlike Rousey, will go for position over submission. That'll win you rounds. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would favor Tate. I'd probably favor Holm at this point, given the one that we saw. But um, probably not as bad of a beating as as Rousey got. Uh, Luke, did you see Joe Rogan's comments about Cyborg having a, you know what? Uh, I saw the headlines. I've not read the articles about it yet. I, I don't know. Women's pound-for-pound rankings. So after the UFC 193 shock, Ian Jacek is actually currently number one on Sherdog women's pound-for-pound rankings with Holm being second, Rousey being third, and Cyborg fourth. Kind of astonishing considering that Ian Jacek came out pretty much nowhere to the UFC only a year and a half ago. Um, Pound-for-pound rankings are, of course, subjective, but I was curious uh, who you would rank as number one. I wouldn't quibble with that too much um, because you're talking about a record of achievement too. Um, and so Holmes' achievement, her singular achievement, is bigger than any singular achievement Ian Jacek has had. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not as long lasting. Uh, it's not as sustained. I mean, this is why when we talk about rankings or the history of the best fighters or why is it Fabricio Verdum the best heavyweight ever, or maybe he is because it's it's a complicated question. But this should tell you why. You know, there's been some debate about what is Dan Henderson's legacy? What is Randy Couture's legacy? 
Because sustained dominance is really the only thing that tells you how good someone is in MMA. There are other things that can tell you that someone is good. But sustained dominance at the highest level is so key. Even for someone like Neil Magny, he doesn't he didn't do it at a uh, championship level, at least he hasn't yet. You know, you never know where people can go. But you know, getting seven wins or whatever it was in a row, I mean, that's a remarkable achievement in mixed martial arts. It's a remarkable achievement. And I mentioned this before. One of the things Matt Brown said to me before he fought uh God, who did he fight uh, at UFC one forty five? But he, oh, uh Wonder Boy Thompson. He made a really interesting point to me. He was like, look, I don't know much about one. This is back. This is like no one knew anything about Wonder Boy at the time. He said, look, I don't really know much about Wonder Boy. Um, I'm just going to do my thing. But I'll tell you what, the guy had, you know, what, 60 kickboxing fights and never lost one. He goes, I guarantee you that guy had a number of times where he showed up to that fight unprepared for the the opponent. He, he showed up sick. He showed up injured. And he just fought his way through it. He goes, you know, to get 60 wins or whatever it was, 56 or something, and no losses, it's just it's very, very hard to do. And I have a lot of respect for that. And that always stuck with me, man. It always stuck with me. Just the ability to have sustained dominance. And if you can do what GSP did or what Anderson Silva did, even with GSP having a couple of bumps in the road, you know, getting right back on the horse, you know, losing to Matt Hughes and getting right back on the horse, losing to Matt Sarah, getting right back on, getting right back on the horse. Um, that is so hard to do. So hard at the championship level. That is to me what I'm looking for when I'm looking for someone who's an all-time great. It's why the questions about Fabricio Verdum are kind of complicated. It's why we're looking for him to take a title and hold it for a moment in time. And when I say a moment in time, I don't mean like one moment. I mean like, you know, for a a, a period of time in which, you know, you can show us how good you are. Not on occasion. On occasion, people can be really good. You can just have a great fight. Someone can have a bad fight. And you go back and you look at the weigh-ins for Ronda Rousey. I thought Ronda, I didn't think she looked bad. And I thought she looked gaunt. But all these guys look gaunt. There are many of them cutting tremendous amounts of weight. She looked less muscular to me. Um, she normally is very physically fit. And again, I'm sure she is fit. But she didn't seem to have the same musculature, for example, that she did before the Brazil fight. Um. And I wonder if her camp just wasn't adequate this time, given all the distractions and, and uh, problems she had to deal with. Um, but anyway, I just want to make a point here of like, and, and what Rousey already accomplished. You know, we can laugh at what happened to her and you can hate on her and, or whatever you want to do or feel bad for her, whatever position you take. But man, she went 12-0 and in mixed martial arts. <laughs> it's hard to do, man. That's really hard to do. You know, and, and many of those were title fights from... Strike force back on. What was it, six or seven of those were title fights? Like, you know, that's really tough, man. That's a very, that's a tall order for anybody. Um, Rhonda at LAX. Yeah, this is what I mean. You know, if you watch that, it's horrifying that you have to deal with that. But um, if you want that level of celebrity, there is a cost associated with it. And this is her first public failure where that cost of celebrity is now being thrust upon her. Uh, I'm not even, I'm, I'm even going to respond to these. It was a work thing. Mike Goldberg, I feel his commentary has reached a very annoying level of cheesy. Is it just me or has he gotten worse? He has absolutely gotten worse. 
I, I don't even want to pick on him anymore, man. It's just not, it's not even fun. You, I made my point. I'm just going to move on from it. It's just, it's obvious to anyone who listens that like, it's just a, you know, it's literally like a, a soundboard where you can just hit different prepared, you know, that's why he's going to embrace the grind. You can do that a thousand times, especially if Cormier fights or, you know, or whatever. There's a thousand of those, um, you know, and I actually think Joe Rogan, let me take a moment here. You know, I don't know what he said on the podcast. If you said some really disparaging things and, you know, I can't get behind that, but um, I thought Joe was excellent during that main event in conveying the trouble that was Rousey in that and conveying the trouble that Rousey was in, you know, yeah, he has his own. I mean, we all know Joe, Joe has, you know, been prone to hyperbole about Rousey a little bit. Okay, fine. You know, we all get carried away and say stupid things and, you know, this isn't his brightest moment, but whatever. He was awesome during that main event. He was really good during that main Saying all the right things, explaining, you know, the simplicity of the strategy that was causing Rousey trouble, articulating in real time, like, you know, measuring his own emotion against the rising emotion of the moment. So it, it they, they, they were these concurrent crescendos. And then I thought his post-fight interview with her was spectacular. When she's like, I don't know what to say. And he was like, say whatever you want. The floor is yours. I just thought it was like, I just thought he hit every right note in the course of that. So for however bad Goldberg is getting, and, you know, look, Rogan's got his problems too. Everyone's got their problems. Like, no one's perfect. Um, you know, I like Brian Stan. Brian Stan and John Anik are my favorite commentary duo. But if I'm being honest, I don't know who could have handled that moment with Holly Holm better than Rogan did in terms of the commentators in the UFC stable. I feel like he was best positioned to handle that because he, I don't think he was delighted for Rousey's demise, but I do think he was delighted for Holm's ascendancy. It just, in a way he couldn't even hide in a way many of us felt you know, when, when home achieved what she achieved, and I mentioned this before, that is the what's one of the cleanest title fight victories I've ever seen in terms of a title changing hands in UFC history. No weigh-in issue, to, to our knowledge, no PED issue, to our knowledge, no injury issue, um, no commission issue, no Vaseline issue, no referee issue, no judges involved. They showed up, and one person got their ass beat, and the other person took their title and walked. And and it was it was like just the most. I mean, Ronda Rousey got audited. She got audited, and 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 there was just something magical about uh, having all your perceptions erased, and to have someone who had worked so hard have this kind of success. And I thought Joe's enthusiasm in the moment um, and and genuine glee for her. I, I, I was right there with him, man. I was smiling the whole time. I was smiling the whole time, and I'm, I'm pretty sure many of you were at home as well. Shocked, of course, you know, but just, like, really feeling awesome for Holly Holm. Good question. I like this question. Why is it such bad form to be happy when a fighter loses? Personally, I'm not really – this is what this person says. Personally, I'm not really – uh, a fan of the way Ronda conducts herself publicly and was quite happy she lost. As the days have gone on, there's been a fair bit of moral preening from various MMA personalities chastising those who share my sentiment. 
Why? You wouldn't see this kind of whining in other sports. Plenty of football fans would take extreme pleasure if the Patriots were to lose the Super Bowl. If you want to stick to combat sports, boxing fans went too far, far greater lengths in lampooning Adrian Broner and especially Manny Pacquiao after his KO loss to Marquez. A little schadenfreude is normal, especially in sports. For me, Rousey is one of those sports figures that I love to hate, which are abundant in other sports, yet it's considered taboo to hold that position towards an MMA fighter. Thoughts? I'm willing to entertain the idea that I'm really a bad MMA fan. I don't think you're a bad MMA fan at all. I think that is an excellent question. Now, let me say a couple things. Let me just admit to you a few things. I've been on Reddit this past week. That has been a cornucopia of schadenfreude against Ronda Rousey, which, to your point, is very normal. And all the factors I mentioned before, the KO loss itself, the nature of the KO loss, the media hagiography, the nature of the odds, the juxtaposition of identities, and on and on and on and on and on. All the things I mentioned. Whoosh. Why would there not be schadenfreude? Now, look, I did post on my Facebook wall the video of Rousey having the audio uh, zoomed in on her right after she was KO'd of Herb Dean talking to her, Herb Dean talking to Edmund. And that's a tough video to watch, man. Like, you really have to have some... I think on some human level, it's a little bit lugubrious to only take shot and foot. I mean, there's a part of me that, you know, there's a real human cost here. I mean, a woman got head kicked KO'd. Um, and, the, you know, I have, and I have respect for all those athletes. And, and again, we mentioned what Rousey has done for the game. She's already improving the technical level of the game by her own presence. Like, we owe Ronda Rousey a debt of gratitude. Truly, we do. Um, but at the same time, if you're a fan, and you want to root against someone, that's your right. And here's my here's my basic rule about everything. I may or may not jump on the shot and foot of bad wagon here a little bit, but I'll admit I watched some of those videos. There was one on Reddit of um, Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence, you know, with Rousey just taking a beating and highlights the whole way through. You know, thought it was kind of funny. Well, you know, there was uh, the one video where it was the Dan Hendo H-bomb knockout of Michael Bisping, and someone put it to the words of uh, such a perfect day on repeat. thought that was kind of funny. The memes of Rashad Evans looking kind of goofy after he gets knocked out. It's kind of funny. Do I have a compartmentalized identity like many of you? I'm sure that I do. On the one hand, I do find the memes funny. On the other hand, this poor woman got publicly embarrassed in the most in ways we couldn't even imagine that happening to our lives. Um, and you know, she, she, despite what her people say, I'm sure she got concussed. That's tough, man. I, I do. I do. And I, when she was like, you know, came in showing her face when she gets to LAX, I, I feel sorry for her. I really do, man. I really do. But my general rule is this. I'm not saying you have to pile on people when, the, when, you know, when the piling on happens, but if you're being the person piled on, that's life, man. People are going to do it. You gotta be prepared for it. And if they're doing it a lot, you may want to ask some questions about why. Maybe you don't want to change the way you live your life. Maybe you feel like the things you said you stand by. That's fine. No problem. But you know, when you've got GOP presidential candidates tagging you in tweets uh, about how glad they are that you lost, <laughs> you know, um, there's probably at a minimum some questions that might need to be asked around here. You know, so I'm not saying you should pile on, 
I don't encourage it in any way, but I'm not going to pretend I didn't enjoy some of it, some of the more creative versions of it. I'm also not going to pretend that I have I truly felt sorry for. And I think most importantly, this is a world where, you know, maybe you shouldn't make fun of people when they're down, but people are going to do that. You, you just got to be prepared for a world where, where, you know, everyone in this life is going to take a, a, a whack of the stick to the face. Some worse than others. In this particular case, Rousey's worse than others. But, you know, this is just a world where people are cruel. You post a picture of a fat person online, people are going to mock it. You post a picture of an ugly person online, people are going to say something about it. It's just the, it's just the world we live in. And you can't hide from it. You just got to learn to deal with it a little bit. Why hasn't the UFC gotten behind Jones more? Interesting. Have you all seen the pictures of John Jones in the weight room? Oh, God. <laughs> if John Jones was beating up people like that, not training in between fights, just doing fight camps, and now he's training year-round, y'all are already dead and you don't even know it. All the light heavyweights, and maybe all the heavyweights too, y'all are already dead and you don't even know it yet. John Jones is good. If John Jones was the Terminator before, he is the T1000 now, boy. Uh, <laughs> and everyone's like, can he make heavyweight uh, easily? And can he make light heavyweight? I bet you, I bet you he can. I bet you he can with an expert. I mean, maybe not with the exact same muscle mass we see now, but a, a beefier version of the one that we saw, let's say against Cormier or something. John Jones is about to kill all y'all, and it's going to be terrifying to watch, but okay. Cain Velasquez, Ronda Rousey, Anthony Pettis, and Hennon Burrell. These four champions the UFC gave significant promotional push only to have each of them lose in very one-sided fashion. Now they're putting a bunch of eggs in the Conor McGregor basket. Who knows what that will turn out. At least relative to his talent level, John Jones hasn't received the same treatment. Okay, there's a couple reasons why he hasn't received the same treatment. One is because of his own personal malfeasance issues. Right, Getting into trouble makes it a little bit hard to double down on him. That's one. Number two, he's always butted heads, I think, internally. You know, canceling 151 by not agreeing to fight Sonnen really damaged his relationship, I think, with UFC brass, at least for a point in time. Maybe things have been smoothed out now. But John is his own man. You know, if I've, inter- I've, I've talked to him a few times, a couple times, many times off camera, and the sense that I get from Jones is that, um, you know, he's willing, he's accommodating. He, I think he, I truly believe this. I think in the, his heart of hearts, he wants to be a team player. But if he doesn't like the rules of your team, he's, you know, you're going to have problems. Um, He's an independent, stubborn guy. Uh, maybe in good ways, maybe in bad ways too. But he's his own man, and I, I don't, I don't, you know, when I say that, I don't mean he's like always reflexively selfish. I think he wants to contribute, um, and I think he does like the atmosphere of Jackson's, for an example. But, but I also believe that he likes to march to the beat of his own drum if he detects anything not really up to his liking. And I think, um, you know, being told he has to do something when he doesn't really want to do or thinks it's a waste of his time you're going to get some interesting reactions out of them. Um, so I think that's really the other major contributors that Conor McGregor has basically done everything UFC has asked and done it well, right? Um, they've given him a stage and he took it and ran with it. They gave him a fights and he's been taking it and running with it. And they've been asking him to show up and do all this and do all that. And he does it. Um, John Jones has done a lot of that, but I don't think he's done as much. You know, a lot of this is, you know, working hand in glove with the promoter really is sort of the key here. All right. 
214. Let's go to the Twitter machine. Oh, let's what true false. And then we'll go to the Twitter machine. True false. Fedor fights two times in Rise in FC and then re retires. True. Uh, Ronda versus Cyborg doesn't happen in 2016. I will say true. Uh, third one is stupid. Katzengano works her way back to a title shot and defeats Holly Holm. False. Verdum beats Velazquez. Dos Santos beats Overeem minutes. Verdum JDS in 2016. True. I was asking this new camp for Rousey. Uh, it was already likely before the fight that Rousey might change camps. Now that she lo- uh, lost, do you think the change of camps will be a certainty? I don't think it'll be a certainty. Some people are suggesting it won't be even a, a probability, maybe a possibility at most. Um, but the other part is, like, she's. I, I find this idea that she would go to a camp a little ridiculous. She might, she might go to a camp and then have her own camp within the camp. She might hire people from other camps and bring them over. But she has money to build things around her. Maybe she feels like a lot has to change and she'll pack up her life and go to another camp. But remember, always understand, many of the guys in these camps are in these camps because of the economic benefit it reaps. When you don't really have to worry about those costs, you may not be as inclined to participate in some of the arrangements, the financial arrangements. Are we at a point now where making jokes publicly about cyborgs, femininity, or masculinity are no longer funny? Um, certainly, I'm past that point, but there appears to be a uh, there appears to be a uh, a market for that still. In your opinion, did we witness an end of an era, or can Ronda bounce back like GSP did against Sarah Hughes? Um, with Sarah and Hughes, what you felt like was if they fought 99 times and you gave Sarah a 1% chance, that means that one of those 99 times, he's going to win. It just so happened that the first time they fought was that one of the 99. That's what that felt like. And it's hard to describe because, you know, Matt Sarah had come back. He had barely beaten Chris Lytle. Um, what Sarah had shown was that he deserved to have it to be taken seriously a little bit more because of the power punching and some of the, the striking accuracy that he had shown. But that in the second fight, he got handled, uh, on the ground anyway. Um and so, that just, you know, it's not quite the same as, um, you know, Rousey went to the ground with home a little bit, and it didn't really work, and she got taken down. Like, she has a higher hill to climb than I think GSP did, um, if you had any hill at all. Now, that being said, just before this chat started, I got an email from uh, Jimmy Shapiro. According to Bovada, Rousey is a minus 175 to Holmes plus 145 in the rematch. Now, that's the opening betting lines. Those could flip. Those could change. But those are the opening betting lines. Um, very interesting. Rousey is still the favorite. Take that for what it's worth. Um, okay, I like Mark Ratner, so this is. I'm just going to read the question. Is Mark Ratner not embarrassed by his new position? Pointless insights that even casuals have worked out. Well, his position is not pointless. You know, vice president of regulatory affairs is critically important, and he's done a phenomenal job in that. Um, but if you mean like on the mic talking about rules, I think it's a good idea. But he's not. 
he's not giving a it's not like Mike Pereira on Fox for NFL who has a deep understanding of the game and even weighs in on college games like when that Miami Duke thing happened where they had you know 47 you know laterals to to win the game at the end Mike Pereira like broke down on Twitter why that was all wrong you know I don't think Ratner is quite as forceful in that way but if you're asking about the job Ratner has done at the UFC like you know I'm not saying he's no one's replaceable but he's 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 done a heck of a job Is Rousey's pressure-striking failure versus home a preview of what Van Zant-Joanna matchup might, would look like? Very different takedowns. Um, so I think, but it, you know, I'll say this. Esparza versus Jacek reminded me of home versus Tate a little, or uh, home versus Rousey a little bit. Again, very different takedowns, uh, very different types of takedowns, number of takedown attempts. It wasn't the same in that sense. But it was to say... If you shut down Carla Esparza's wrestling, she was at such a disadvantage. She was just completely, you know, out of her depth. That's what you saw with Ronda Rousey too. You took away the judo, took away the arm bars. She was just out of her depth, man. Luke, apart from Ronda, who is the most dangerous fighter currently to Holly's crown? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Mayweather offered to coach Ronda. Don't you agree? Even with that kind of help, it wouldn't compare to the 15 years of home. No, it, it, guys, you can't learn to be that kind. Of <laughs> I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to keep saying this until, until every one of you does this, save your money for Christmas. Tell your folks or your girlfriend or your husband or your, or your mom or whoever, just give me money to go train, go train people treat training tips and rules like it's nuclear science and you can only learn it if you get admitted to mit or caltech no if you go pay some guy down the street who knows it he'll teach it to you you don't have to get some historical linguistic expert to translate the dead sea scrolls fighters like to treat techniques like that it's not like that at all it's all you got to do is pay a guy. All you got to do is go pay a guy and go learn. Because once you begin to learn just how hard it is to correctly jab, just jab. Once you learn how hard that is, how your balancing has to be right, how your defense has to be right, how your arms have got to be loose, but your defense has got to be firm, how your chin has to be, how your shoulder and your chin has to be, how your angling needs to be, how your foot position needs to be, how you have to bounce forward and pray, all of that. Once you learn just how hard jabbing is, you're going to say, oh, my God, this is an ocean. This is an ocean. And I am barely, you know, into my ankles of water. That is what we're talking about here. Go train. Who do you give the more important advantage to, Aldo with his speed or McGregor with his accuracy? This is the most important thing we're going to say about Aldo McGregor, I feel like. Aldo's speed is going to be a problem for McGregor. There's no doubt about it. Partly because McGregor's a little bit willing to just, right? He'll just bite down the mouthpiece and take a shot a little bit. He does that. Here is, and I mentioned this on the Monday Morning Analyst, and I got a lot of questions about it because I said, I think people are, I think uh, Aldo's underestimating McGregor. One of the most important things you can realize about McGregor, and we talk about it with him, but we don't talk a lot about it with him. 
I feel like everyone underrates his power. Big time. Yes, we know he hits hard. No, I don't know if he's got one-punch knockout power. I mean, we've seen that in the lower levels of things. And to a lesser extent, uh, up at the top, I mean, the Dustin Poirier thing was the back of the head. I mean, like, on the chin. Um, but we know Adam, and he might. I'm not saying he doesn't. He, he might. But we know for a fact that one punch is fight-altering. One punch. He can hurt you so bad that he can then pour on the rest of the shots. And I really have never gotten a sense that Jose takes that seriously. Like, you cannot get hit by Conor McGregor too many times, or it's going to be real bad for you. He is a lightweight who makes it down to featherweight, who has, as you noted, excellent excellent accuracy, but I believe he is the hardest puncher in that division. Maybe Jeremy Stevens has a one over him. But Jeremy Stevens you know, gets out of position to like, throw these huge bombs, and he's athletic and he's accurate. He throws a lot of stuff. But Conor McGregor has... I mean, crippling power at featherweight, and I and I feel like Aldo might Aldo might light McGregor up for three rounds, but if he begins to slow down and McGregor just eats it, marches his way forward, maybe that's not good for the long term. But for the next ten minutes, I think Aldo might be in trouble. That's I really I, that's kind of how I see this one going a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'll think about it more because I think Aldo's stick and move is going to be great, but I just don't get the sense. That when we talk about McGregor, we talk about all these different things he does. I never really hear enough reverence paid to his power. He will shut your lights out fast, dude, fast. And I just, I get this. People are like, oh, I'll eat a couple of McGregor shots. That is a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Luke, do you think uh, Holly wasn't showing all that she had in her two previous UFC fights? We know for a fact she wasn't. Uh, someone likes the rugby shirt. I'm a big fan of USA Rugby. You're welcome. Why can't the USC do a domestic stadium show? They can. It's just not as easy. How far can an in-shape Mark Hunt go? I don't know, you know. Um, it's a good question. He's still got some vitality left. You know, I, I think there's a real technical limit to how far he can go. Um you know, he can't beat Verdum. I don't think he's going to beat Velazquez. I don't think he's going to beat JDS anytime soon. But uh, he might give everyone else some, t- you know, and or Stipe. But, you know, top five or top ten guys, he's going to give some trouble to. Let's see. So it says, what happened to Ronda at the hands of Holly is what we expected to happen at the hands of Cyborg. Mm, yes and no. Cyborg's much more of a brawler. So what you could say is two different things, depending on your perspective. You could say, because Cyborg is more of a brawler, Rousey would have an easier time getting in, getting a hold of Cyborg and getting her to the ground. I can see that argument. What you can also say is, yes, she's a bit of a brawler, and that opens her up to some positional weaknesses, but you know, Rousey takes punches. And she might be taking Holmes, you know, stick and then move, but she's not going to let. She's not going to be able to take Cyborg's punches, and Cyborg has enough, you know, Muay Thai clinch breaking skills. And if she watches the blueprint laid out by Holly Holm to to do the same kind of thing, I can see both of those arguments holding weight. All right, let's go back to the uh, questions here. 
Everyone says Joe Rogan's lack of self-awareness. In his podcast after UFC 193, he said one of Rousey's problems is she surrounds herself with yes-men. When Ronda and her coach were on the, her, his podcast, they both agreed that Ronda would beat the current 135 female boxing gold medalist. She could be a kickboxing world champion, and apparently she could beat Danica Patrick in NASCAR if she wanted to. I don't know if you're joking or not, but okay. Uh, he also called her the best female fighter on the planet numerous times and compared her to Tyson during her walkout. Do you think Rogan should criticize her surroundings publicly like that when he is arguably one of those yes-men himself? Well, look, man, I'm not, you know, Rogan definitely got carried away a little bit on some of this stuff. Calling her once ever. I never understood that. Um, boy, people are asking about this podcast. I have not heard this podcast. I will go back and listen. I have not heard it. Uh, you know, like I said, man, the, 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 the depths of, you know, or the heights of soaring rhetoric about Rousey was a little bit out of control, and Joe definitely contributed to that. But, again, I really feel like, I don't know if redeemed is the right word, but I felt so comforted by the fact that Joe handled the home fight, I thought, expertly. And, really, I thought he handled, I mean, what a moment in time, man. You don't want to be that commentator who was terrible the whole time and then didn't do the post-fight interview correctly. And I don't feel like he suffered from any of that. He gave home all of her due props the whole time and seemed as utterly delighted as the rest of us um, in the post-fight interview. And, I, and for that, I'm, I'm pretty grateful. You know, the hyperbole about calling her once ever, I mean, look, it's just crazy. But I'm not going to beat up Joe too much because I thought when it really mattered, you know, when, you're, when, when the fight was real and it was happening, he did a bang-up job. What was more shocking? The fact that Ronda lost or the fact that this looks as if Ronda would have nothing for Holly in the rematch. This reminded me of two different fights for two different reasons. Um, maybe even it reminded me of Anderson Silva, Rich Franklin in a way. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Fedor Nogueira one. Um, um, you know, that was different because Fedor, I mentioned this before the Monday morning analyst, Fedor fought on Nogueira's terms, so that's different. But nevertheless, the, the, the you know, he was largely unheralded. And, uh, and never came in there and took the title and, and proved that Noguera was number two. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Lesnar Carwin. Again, Lesnar won, but Lesnar showed that, like, if you deliver punishment, he just changes. He can't, he can't deal with it. Um, and so, you know, Rousey, again, we'll see if she can recover. But, the, I mean, the depth of striking to which she has to rise, even in a conditional way, again, she doesn't have to outstrike the totality of home she has to do enough striking to set up opportunities for judo but even that man that's a big 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 hill to climb a couple more days and we'll go uh let's see any word when the next metamorse event will be no but they have uploaded to their webpage or their uh, youtube channel for free uh metamorse challenger finals uh matches so these are the folks who did regional matches and um, these are the folks who did regional matches, and if they won those, they went to the national one, and I guess the winners of those will get put on Metamorse cards or whatever. But anyway, the, the, the tournaments at the national level, the tournament at the national level was put on their uh, webpage, and there's some good matches in there. There's actually one good flying armbar and a black belt finish. It's pretty good. Uh, and a buddy of mine, or a teammate of mine, actually went and competed at that. He lost after winning one, but, um, but he's only a purple belt, and you know he did really, really well. He's, he's an amazing purple belt, though. The only purple belt because it's mostly black belts and brown belts, but you get the idea. Uh, let's do one more. 
Well, here we go. Do you draw parallels between Lesnar not being able to take a punch in the face the same way Ronda seemed to react? Ronda didn't react the same way that Lesnar did. She didn't fall over and cry, you know, and like cover up. She just ate him and kept going. So it's not the same in that sense. It's the same in the sense of um, if you can take away that which she excels at, there is a lot at which she does not excel. And if you have a striking background, the places where she does not excel, you automatically have an advantage and, and potentially a major one. Uh, maybe with his offer of help. Last one, Anderson versus Vitor. Dana has stated that he is into the idea of Vitor and Silva having a rematch. What do you think of this matchup? What do you expect to happen? I guess. I guess that means GSP is going to fight, I don't know, Lawler or Condit again, or I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's fine. I mean, look, Vitor is not going to go away, and if they want to make that fight happen because Brazil's been struggling a little bit, I get it. It doesn't, like, wow me, but it doesn't get me down the dumps either. All right. Folks, give this a thumbs up. Thank you so much for watching. There's so much more we could go into, but there's a couple of points I really wanted to make. You got to thank Ronda Rousey for what she's done for the game, men and women's side. I am so glad that I just wanted to get this out. I'm so glad there was an image of female ferocity in the, in the fight game that people got to see that they normally that they don't always get to see. The technical mastery that Holmes showed and the, the brutality she was able to deliver as a consequence of it. And I just think it's so awesome that we finally had someone, and it was a woman in this particular case, who showed that stick and move can be a deadly, deadly way to fight if the other person, you know, is just out of their depth. Um, and that's why the, all the coaches want you to start with stick and move first. Learn how to hit and not get hit, and then we'll worry about everything else. And Holly Holm has showed that stick and move can be a really awesome, truly amazing way to compete. Lots, we did so much on this. If you got any emails for me, luke.thomas at SBNation.com. Thank you to everyone who reached out on behalf of the Monday Morning Analyst. I really appreciate that. I got all of your feedback. It was really helpful. Uh, thanks again for making the last episode the most watched ever. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. iTunes.com slash promotional malpractice at SBN Luke Thomas on Twitter. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay frosty. <laughs>